Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. we got a great show, a great returning guest. Uh, we're going to be jumping in a week two in the matchup we're going to have with the Chargers and uh, talk all things Titans. As always, Sammy, why don't you start me up? Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards, touchdown Titans! He is the baddest man in the NFL, and he just took her to the house. The Sickest Tennessee Titans Podcast. It's going to be sick. What is going on, folks? And welcome back to another edition of the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. I'm joined by my co-host, Jarrett. Uh, we have an excellent guest for today's show to help us roll on into week two. Um, no pun intended on the, the roll there. So let's bring him in there. Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans Podcast. Tyler, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. And honestly, you pun intended. That was yeah, a perfect right? segue. Yeah. I always say I, I keep it rolling. It's on the birth certificate. But uh, yeah, excited to come in. I know week one wasn't great, but the season's begun and I'm going to keep optimism high. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I think the first question for you, and it's always great when we have a fellow fan on the show because uh, it's an easier it's easier to relate with someone who shares, you know, the, the same love for the Titans as, as we do. So I ask you, Tyler. As a fan, um, I bet I get. I guess the best way to put this is, uh, as far as what is the percentage of leash that is left on Ryan Tannehill's leash? Is it ten percent? Do you still have the whole length? How much got taken away after that loss? I think that we need to look at the last time a quarterback got benched and Mike Vrabel was the head coach, and we look back at what happened with Marcus and um, six games, right? a third of the season, basically it, you got to give them an opportunity. And my thing is I'm looking at if they're two and four and they're one and five, something like that, coming back from the trip to Baltimore, the Titans have the buy in week seven after they come back from London from playing the Ravens in week six. So it makes it the perfect time. You put in the rookie immediately at starting out by week, let him get comfortable a full week of practice. You get the second week of practice where he's actually game planning for the next game. And, which I think is against the Colts, I believe, or it might be the Falcons in week eight. The Falcons, yeah, Falcons after the bye. Right? That's, that's right, the Oilers. Right. That's okay. the Oilers uni game. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that would be very interesting for that I'll reason. Be a slap but in the face I, too. I know, right? I I think that week six 
game against the Ravens if the Titans fall in that one and their record's 2-4 and four or 1-5. and five. And the thing is, it's not just the record. Ryan Tannehill has to be playing poorly like he did in week one. I mean, he's obviously capable. So it's not outrageous to think that he might play poorly. I mean, honestly, the Browns' defense could be better. The Bengals' defense, Lou Anarumo has the Titans' number. He knows exactly what they're going to do at all times. Maybe it changes with Tim Kelly. But I'm just saying, the Saints' defense was good. Their secondary was good. But I didn't think their interior defensive line was that great. Outside of Cam Jordan, they didn't have a lot of edge rush pressure to make it difficult. The Titans are going to see better defenses in the coming weeks. Maybe not this week, but in the coming weeks. So Tannehill could play poorly again. And if he plays poorly multiple times like this and has turnovers, which will really make Mike Vrabel angry. If he does that and the record's bad, then after that bye, it's time to go. But I got to be honest, just what I would do isn't really important. What I think Mike Vrabel will do, no matter what, is wait six weeks. But should it get shorter? I think it should because that was terrible and the turnovers are impossible to win. If you're going to have a dude out there making a bunch of turnovers, let it be one of the young guys so they can at least get better, right? I understand that thought process. So maybe the lease should get shorter, but do I think it will with Vrabel? No, I don't. See, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like there is a leash at one point, but it is preseason week four, in my opinion, you know, the first week, especially Mm -hmm. September, if you get out two and two, you're great. We talked about it last week, but like, in the preseason, especially with a new offensive coordinator, you have a brand new offensive line and you have a brand new wide receiver. Like Aaron Rodgers did in the preseason, you have to get out there and get some snaps. I don't give a shit who you are. You're not Joe Burrow. You're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not you know Tom Brady back in the day. You have to play the preseason, especially mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill. So, Sammy, you got those clips up of uh, Ryan Tannehill with a couple missed throws that we have over here. I just want to break this down with Tyler really quick. Mm-hmm. I think this – I believe this is the one – uh, yeah, yeah, stop it right there, Sammy. If you can, if he, if he, if you bring it back, he, he was at the 45 yard line. If Tajay Spears comes and he, and he drills him right there at the 50, that's a touchdown. I don't know why he's throwing lollipops and let, and letting his receiver go. Cause Tajay Spears came a, a, and dragged to the sideline. If he hit him on a dime right there, it's a touchdown. I don't know. Years past when he had AJ Brown and he had uh, Corey Davis and John New Smith, those throws are touchdown. I don't know if it's aging with him. I don't know if it was week one. Sammy, roll the other one with, with, with Chig. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And he, another thing is he's a statue in the pocket. Yeah, he plants his foot. If he oh, – bring it back. Right, right there. 
instead of throwing a lollipop, if you, you got to, you should make this there, throw, Jared. You yeah, should if make you, this if throw. If you zing it in there, it's a touchdown. That's two touchdowns off the board that Ryan Tannehill used to make. He doesn't make it anymore. So it's very concerning going into the later half of the season. I'm a big Ryan Tannehill fan. Sal will tell you, Vinny will tell you, I love him. I, I don't want to give up on him yet, but he took a lot. Uh, off of my plate as a fan right now. And I, I said 50% I have left on him for this season because he we cannot live with that for the rest of the year with the championship caliber defense and the offensive weapons that we have on this team right now. So what are your thoughts about on that, his mobility in the pocket, him missing throws early? Do you think he's going to capitalize on that? Do you think he's going to you know improve in, in week two? Because in my opinion, it's a must-win game in Nashville. Uh, well, I, I think honestly – the cause of the overthrows is the uncertainty in the arm strength. Um, earlier in the game on the second interception where he had Chig wide open on the crosser, on the on the deep cross, on the play action. And he went to Chris Moore deep. Yeah, correct. He underthrew Chris Moore. If you're going to go to no. Chris Moore there, he had a wide area, had a cornerback in his back pocket. If you're going to get that to Chris Moore, it has to be out in front of Chris Moore. He yeah, can run full line. speed and let it, yep. let it come into his hands as a basket catch. And Tannehill underthrew it. And if you look back, Chris Moore is literally turning around and trying to stop and backpedal so he can go back to the underthrow. Tannehill probably thought in his head, oh, I've been missing all day on my long throws. I got to put this out there. And on both those throws, I think he's thinking in his head, I got to get this out here. I was short on a couple of early ones. And now he's overthrowing it because he's uncertain of what his arm's capable of. He's losing some athleticism. He's regressing as an athlete. And he's 35 years old. So it's bound to happen. So he's out there like, wait, I usually am able to make these throws and I'm not. Okay, I got to, maybe I, I do got to put a little more on this than I think I have to because I'm not certain if my arm can make it. I don't know. It, earlier I was confused by what I did and then he overthrows it. So I think that those two over, overthrows are actually a symptom of his uncertainty and his arm strength right now because he's declining physically. And that's just what it is. I think people like LeBron James and Tom Brady that they've made us think that every athlete that we see is going to be good until they're 40 now. It's just not the case, you know? And some of the mistakes that Tannehill made, not those two examples, but some of the mistakes Tannehill made, in my opinion, the majority of the mistakes that he made in the game were misreads, just not making the right decision based on what the defense has given him. And he can fix those. He can fix those. But stuff like what we're talking about with the arm strength, the mobility in the pocket, 10-man Tannehill bouncing into his own offensive lineman yeah, like bumper cars because he's scared of taking a hit, that's not going to get better throughout the season. That's going to get worse as he yeah, takes where's, more where is that? Yeah, so, where is that mobility that he used to have in 19 and 20? He's 35. Was, yeah, and the ankle injury, too. Yeah, you know? I, guess, I mean, I guess. It, it's just the reality of his athletic state right now. And maybe it's week one and truly all of it is just rust. And it, his – Old bones, I say that he's 35, I'm 32, and I'm calling him like he's some old man or something. But, you know, it's all within the 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 NFL concept here. But at the end of the day, I don't know if if those things get better and, and he knocks rust off there, reading the defense and being quicker and progressing through his reads faster. I think all that will happen, and that will help. But some of the stuff he's always relied on, his arm strength, that mobility to not really scramble around like he's not Mike Vick or Malik being quick and moving around, but he can at least like find a seam and then hit it and run straight. Even that sort of stuff might be regressing a little bit. And the thing about Tannehill was he needed that stuff, that strong arm to fire it in no matter what, that mobility to at least get downhill and pick up yardage when you need to. He needed that to stay a competent quarterback and be in the top 16 
without that stuff, if that erodes, he's in the bottom 16. And at that point, he's no longer good enough to execute the team vision. And that's what I'm worried about. So I don't want to write him off just yet. I know it sounds like that. But at the end of the day, some of the stuff that is the problem is not stuff that's going to get better because he's not getting younger. Even if he fixes some of the other stuff, it still might not be good enough to accomplish what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I also think that Tannehill's mobility was a smidge bit overrated throughout the years. Um, he's not; he was never very elusive as a quarterback. Exactly. A, yes. yes, he's a guy that if if you gave him about eight inches and he was able to see it, he could take it for a little bit. Uh, right. But when he was, anytime he was rolling out and he was taking off on the run, it it always looked like his his wheels weren't catching the catching the catching the surface. And he was just kind of like, you know, smoke was coming off, but he couldn't get going. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. the bottom line is at least he was able to evade a sack. Now he's not able to evade a sack at all. And uh, in this league, you watch games every single uh, day of the week. Yes. And you see these quarterbacks spin around outside of, mm-hmm. uh, out of outside of pressure. Uh, you yep. see them juking guys out. I mean, really, you, you watch guys like Justin Fields. Look at Derek Carr, man. Did Derek you see Derek Carr? Absolutely. I'm watching dude. the defensive. And it's like, what I would say is he gets skinny. When the pocket starts, Derek Carr will like get skinny and like hop step up. Yep. And that yep. gets him out of the range of those edge rushers and into that middle of yep. the pocket. And then he can step up. It gives him that extra Lamar, second and a half. Lamar is very good at that too. Yeah. And, and Tannehill doesn't have the agility now. And honestly, the confidence in his body, it looks like, to make that little skip step up. He never really was good at pop. That's always been since college. That has been an issue with Ryan Tannehill is he doesn't have great pocket awareness, doesn't have real functional and smooth pocket mobility, and it's probably because he was a former wide receiver. There's a lot of like natural feel type things to play in quarterback that Tannehill doesn't do well. He doesn't anticipate throws super well. He likes to see his guy and hammer it in. He, does, you know, It's not like he can kind of envision where it's going to go and the gaps in the defense. He wants to see it and throw it. And the same thing with the pocket mobility. He doesn't really feel pressure very well. He's not real nimble moving up. And it, yeah. he's never been good at that stuff. He doesn't have some of the, the natural quarterback yeah. things that you see week to week, the instincts, because he was a former wide receiver. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that all plays into it. And now that he's older, those things are getting magnified and they're under yeah. a microscope because it's like so obvious to all of us. Like, oh man, he can't move the same yeah. candy. You very, know, like we all saw it. So very unnatural throwing motion. Uh, I've always said that. Not not fluent at all with his motion. Compared to Levis, I'm not going to act like Levis is awesome or anything. You know, like he could be a bum too and never be anywhere close to as good as Tannehill was, even with what we know Tannehill is. But still, like he he throws the football like a natural person passing yeah. the ball. You know, I, so I get what you're saying there. I always compare Tannehill's throwing motion to to like him trying to pull back a, a bow and arrow. It's very oh. like it's very it's animated. It, it, you know yeah. it's coming when you know your natural quarterbacks, even guys like Brock Purdy, you watched on Sunday, he was yeah. slinging it sidearm, looking like a pro. It's like but, Tannehill was taught to do it, and exactly. these other guys were born to do it. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. My next question to you, Tyler, when we, when you were talking earlier, I I heard you bring up the term rookie when when spoken about, you know, moving on from Tannehill and if the inevitable happens, which we believe is that he's going to get benched. Are you, are, are you in your mind, are you saying that we should go straight to Levis or do you think Malik still deserves some, some time in this year if that benching is coming? 
Man, it's such a it's such a crazy dynamic because Malik is like all the high end traits that you want in a modern quarterback, but like Levis can like operationally and functionally do all the stuff that you have to do. If the Titans could put Levis and Malik together into like a yeah. combo prospect, it would be absolutely absurd. You know what I mean? That would be perfect, but that's not happening. So, I mean, for me, with what I saw in the preseason, you have to say Malik. the The problem is we haven't seen enough of Levis. To, to know anything and maybe the mm. Titans have in, in practice, but I don't think that they probably have, and they don't really have time to find out anything significant now with, they have to let the first team offense play and someone has to be the scout team quarterback and all that. So, and like Justin Herbert is a quarterback this week that they're playing against who should be the scout team quarterback Malik or Levis, probably Levis, which means Levis isn't yeah. running. The Titans offense, you don't get to look at how he runs your offense. He's being used as a scout team player to help the team practice. So, like, it has to be Malik from that standpoint first up. It has to. Um, I I still believe that at the end of the day, Levis will be the better player. And I think a year from now, we're looking at the starting quarterback in 2024. I still think it will be Will Levis. Um, If not for play reasons, for political reasons. Just to not look like idiots who wasted picks on a quarterback you didn't need. You know what? But first crack at playing, like I said with the preseason, I'll echo it here. Malik deserves to play first. So if they do decide to bench Tannehill, which I'm not not saying that that is going to happen. I'm just saying what, what it would need to look like for that to happen. I still, if I had to put money down, wouldn't say it does happen because Mike Vrabel is going to owe it to the veterans to try to win every game possible. But if they do bench him, I think Malik deserves the first shot. Tyler, moving on away from the quarterback, because we could talk about uh, the quarterback for 16 games. Yes, uh, a million months, episodes over the a summer. A million episodes, yeah. everything. Um, next <laughs> right. next thing I really want to get into is the offensive line, because uh, that was a big thing, a new cohesive offensive line um, in the game. What was your take on them? How do you think they did? I mean, we do have a graphic of their uh, win percentage, I think, Sammy. Mm-hmm. We have up here. Um you know, ESPN ranked them fifth, fifth best in, in um, pass block mm-hmm. rate. Um, uh, Kraj, uh, what was his name? Uh, Hubbard. He ha- he had the yeah, best Chris pass. R- yeah, he had the best um, win win rate as a right tackle in the whole league. So I mean, mm-hmm. there was surprisingly some good stuff, especially with uh, Peter Skaronsky. I think he he uh, laid the wood on su- on Sunday. What are you What are your thoughts on the offensive line? Well, first I'll start with Peter Skaronsky and. Let's just do this what it is. You know, I hate to pat myself on the back, but you know what? Actually, I love it. I said the Titans needed to lose to Jacksonville because they needed to secure one of the best offensive linemen in the draft. It was more important than getting a participation trophy for the AFC South. It was more important. And you know what? Peter Skaronsky was more important. Peter Skaronsky, in his first game as an NFL pro, was the sixth highest rated offensive guard in the NFL per pro football focus. He was the eighth best rated offensive lineman in the entire NFL. The entire NFL. Top 10. Now, I'm not telling you that Skaronsky is going to be a top 10 offensive lineman all year from day one, blah, 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 all of that. But I think what it does show us is he's the best offensive lineman the Titans have, and he was worth the draft pick. Like, And Mike Vrabel even said he's fit for this league. Like, he has great play strength. He is just a guy who understands it. He gets it. That was always the key from day one. And where the Titans sat in the draft, the quarterbacks were going, 
the topper, you know, Paris Johnson Jr. is going, pass rushers are going for Skaronsky to fall to number 11 and literally be a guy who's going to be a starter on the offensive line for eight years and a solid starter at that. He might even be an all-pro by year two or three. You know, he's already coming out in his very first game and looking excellent. I, the, the conversation with the offensive line to me starts with Peter Skaronsky because that's all that really, at the end of the day, we could look back and the Titans could be terrible this year and we'll look back and be like, well, at least we know Skaronsky is a, a stud at guard. Yeah. Like that is important. But overall, I think we go back to the, the philosophical shift the Titans made here. They went after pass blocking offensive linemen. That's what they went after. Hubbard has been a better pass blocker than a run blocker in his career. Daniel Brunskill, you look at Andre Dillard. He's an athletic guy. He's much more suited to be a pass protector and mirror pass rushers than he is to drive guys off the ball. So the fact that the Titans' offensive line was able to, they settled in. They really did. Early it was rough, but they settled in late in that game and gave Tannehill pockets. Yeah, only and, three sacks. Yeah, you're seeing it. You're seeing it shown in the in the analytics that you guys just showed up. We're talking about it right here with the individual players. This this offensive line is going to be better at pass blocking than last year. We know that. So if they can be good in run blocking, which they were pretty good. You guys watched Tajay Spears, nine yards of carry. Derrick Henry was rolling, and then you know they kind of slowed that down. Yeah, the offensive line looks like it's going to be improved, and that – that is something that we should all be very optimistic about and, and excited about. Because you go back and watch. I did an article on, on alltitans.com about this on, on Tuesday. Every other aspect, we're talking about the offensive line now. You look at some of the separation analytics for the Titans wide receivers. They were number six in the NFL in separation created or giving the quarterback open receivers. They were number six in the NFL in week one and creating open situations where they weren't perfectly covered. So the, the wide receivers did get open more than people thought they did. The offensive line did block better than people thought they did. We know that Derrick Henry and Spears were able to get yards on the ground. The defense, again, the defense is great, and they get their backs broken by a terrible offense. But the Every defense year. held the Saints to 16 points, and the only touchdown that they gave up was off an interception in their own territory. Yep. So every, literally every ask Arden Key, was the number one ed rusher in the entire NFL in pressures this week. Danico Autry is the only person in the top 20 in pass rush win rate win rate as an edge and an interior guy. Every as It's like the Cincinnati game all over again. Every aspect of the Tennessee Titans team was really good, or at least good except on Sunday, except Ryan Tannehill. And he was so, and we can't even blame the offensive coordinator anymore because Tim Kelly, I'm putting out an article later this week on it with some film. Tim Kelly... Schemed up some amazing stuff that Tannehill just ruined. So it's not even the OC this time. Yeah, I mean that that, that, that almost was good except Tannehill. Yeah, that that almost makes it even more alarming to see now statistically yes. that this offensive line was yes. spectacular, especially in the second half. Even mm -hmm. from a blind eye, it looked like he had more time in the second half. Mm -hmm. Then you come to find out the protection throughout the entire game was fairly decent, and I'm being sarcastic. It was really good. Um, so yeah, that's very alarming. Um, I, I, and, and, and finding, cause, cause immediately my, my instant reaction was to fault Tim Kelly just a little bit in the fact that we Same. had a run game Same. going Same. and he wasn't leaning on that when mm -hmm. his attempt to be more pass heavy wasn't working until right. I find out that realistically, which I kind of had a smidge of a, um, a sort of thought of it anyway, that he had the time, and he really was just shitting the bed. 
uh, and and Tim Kelly knew the the opportunities were available, and he just couldn't couldn't uh, capitalize. So can we just uh, that talk about the reality everything. of the Titans' offense that like that people just still refuse to accept, and it's that the explosiveness in the passing game is way more important than Derrick Henry. Like, that is what made the Titans' offense special is the explosive plays in the passing game. The Titans had Derrick Henry. Exactly. Exactly. It's Derrick Henry. Can We saw the Titans rush for just as many yards in the second half of the season in 2021 as they did with Derrick Henry in the first half. Like, the yards per carry, the efficiency in the run game, with Foreman and Hilliard off their couches was about the same. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like Derrick Henry is unimportant because the threat of Derrick Henry in the Titans' run game is what opens up a lot of those explosive plays. But but the reality is, is those explosive pass plays are far more important. So everybody's mad that the ball didn't go to Derrick Henry and blah, 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 blah. But the Derrick Henry run game did its job because the play-action opportunity on the deep crosser to Chickaconquo, oh, Tannehill throws a pick. Oh, you got a wide-open wheel route to Chickaconquo off play-action down the sideline or off the trick play. Oh, you get the play-action with Tajay Spears in jet motion, mirroring plays that they had run in the second and first quarter, and Tajay Spears is up the sideline with a wide-open wheel route. Like, the off, they wanted it, this game could have been, oh, Derrick Henry was efficient, they didn't bury him with carries. They got the job done. The Titans still created three or four explosive passing plays worth 20, 30, 40 yards and some and some long touchdown passes while only giving Derrick Henry 15 to 17 to 18 carries under 20. Like, Tim Kelly had the recipe for a perfect, efficient, offensive day that got the job done, and Tannehill literally blew it. Like, my thumbnail after the game was Tannehill blows it. And after watching the film, it's even more certified. So we can be mad that Derrick Henry didn't get the ball more, but the reason you give Derrick Henry the ball is to create those explosive opportunities in the passing game. And they did it. They did the job. So they didn't need to give Derrick Henry the ball more. They needed to hit the explosive plays that were created by Derrick Henry's presence. And they didn't do that. So that is ultimately more important than just because they could have fed the reason you feed Derrick Henry the ball is to create those explosive opportunities. So you can give Derrick Henry the ball five to six more times, but the only reason that matters is because it creates the explosive plays, which they missed on anyway. So I'm not I'm not as upset now after watching it the tape watching the tape. I'm not as upset now with the Derrick Henry usage because it did its job and Tannehill wasn't able to execute. I'm glad you were talking about explosive plays because coming into this game against the Chargers, it's in my eyes and especially with you guys, it's a must-win game because you you could possibly be going to the Browns 0-2 and then you're going to come home to the Bengals. So you're looking at 0-4 right in the face. So um, we got a kind of a, a desperate Chargers team coming into Nashville. Sammy, throw up the graphic of what what their um, their stats were for their secondary. You want to talk about explosive plays over here? The Chargers defense allowed 536 total yards, 31st downs. So we have every single opportunity to throw all over these guys if we if if the game plan's there, Ryan Tannehill can do it. I mean, because they have a little bit of a weak secondary. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is not Tua. We don't have um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen yeah. Waddle, but we do have Traylon Burks and we have DeAndre Hopkins. You just can't force the ball to these guys. Okay, scheme it up. You had we had uh, Burks wide open, Chiggs wide open, Spears. We we talk about it the whole time. We have every opportunity to knock these guys off. How do you, how do you see us attacking the Chargers this week in, in virtually a must win game? Well, I, I think that 
I called this like a, a get right game, a revenge game, really, for Tannehill, because who Tannehill get hurt against last year? It was the Chargers. Yeah. So uh Tannehill is everybody's crapping on Tannehill. Uh, he got hurt against the Chargers last year. This is a great opportunity for him to get revenge against a pass defense that's obviously vulnerable. Now, one thing we have to acknowledge is the Titans don't have Mike McDaniel calling plays on offense, and they don't have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle at wide receiver. And honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they don't have two at quarterback. Uh I was an anti-Tua guy, and I just look wrong. So probably going to have to have to take the walk of shame on that one by the end of the year, the way things are going and how last year was. But either way, the Titans don't have the offense that the Dolphins do, but they don't need to put up the offense that the Dolphins did. They could take about 75% of that, and it would be yep. one of the best days we've had in years, right? Yep. So uh, to me, I, I think it's all about attacking the middle of the defense, for the Chargers, Kenneth Walker, I keep saying Kenneth Walker, like the running back. It's Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, is truly one of the worst starters in the entire NFL on either side of the ball. Um, he was, <clears throat> I think he had like a 30 coverage grade. The film was worse. He's just getting attacked. Former first-round pick. I think it was out of Oklahoma. But Kenneth Murray is somebody they have to attack over the middle of the field. I think those classic Tennessee Titans play action, crosser over the middle plays. Where we need to been? see a bunch of that this week. Where have they been? Um, well, I know Todd Downing was just allergic to him last year, so hoping t- Tim Kelly is doing some things where he's creating layers on top of what people expect yep. us to do. Fake the crosser, hit to the blaze out, different things like that. The interception Malik Willis threw off of Josh Wiley's hands that everybody fought over for weeks. Uh, that was an incredibly creative counter to what the Titans typically run in their play action pass game. So Tim Kelly, I'm I'm happy with and I'm and I'm I'm optimistic about what he can do, but the Titans have to attack over the middle of the field against this Chargers pass defense. They're they're just not good enough. Um let me see um Michael Davis, uh Alohi Gilman, their safety, Eric Kendricks, another guy linebacker. Like the Titans should just be attacking the middle of the field over and over and over again against the Chargers. And that's where Tannehill has been most comfortable throwing the ball over recent years. So hopefully that's a perfect marriage. But, you know, they just need to attack the middle of the field and hopefully Tannehill can get right against a bad pass defense. They just, they just, he can't just force it to, to um, DeAndre Hopkins because, like, like right. Eric said, right. it looks like he was just forcing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins in triple and double cover. I don't care that Nuke is, is the best receiver on a team. If there's somebody, else that's open on an undercut mm-hmm. or, or a five, throw it to him. New yeah. doesn't have to get the ball every play. They're like, like I said, Spears, not Spears. Um, there's two plays. I think it was on your, on your, t- on your um, uh, Twitter feed that you, you broke it down and Traylon Burks was wide open on a scene and he yeah. total, totally missed them standing in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, it's week one. So let's not, let's not, not yeah. overreact all the way, but um, well, there are things we can monitor. You know what I mean? I, I always say I'm a big guy on like planning, making plans and people are like, dude, you're getting too far ahead of yourself. But me, you, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you started. Yeah. So like, I like to, you know, track what happened here with Tannehill in week one. It doesn't mean that it won't change, but it's still good that we all know, Hey, these are signs of physical decline. Hey, these are misreads that he's making. And then if he does those things better, we're all going to be here to be like, hey, look, he's doing it better. He's knocking yep. off the rust. He's Or the other way, you know? So yep. we have to know where we're at to know what happens next and how to identify it and how to talk about it and what it means, you know? So I, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. Yeah. Uh, listen, side note as well. This is also the team. Tano got his first victory as a Titan. Uh, so a little back, oh, a little yeah. cool back and forth yeah. between that. Then they heard him. So, you know, a little... 
little back and forth uh, rivalry. It doesn't hurt anything either. I don't think that's in his head. I'm sure he has plenty of demons still in there. So and with the fumble um, with the goal line and yep. the the two point conversion in London. I mean, yep. there's been a lot of epic Titans Charger games in the last like five yeah. years. Yep. That London game was wasn't that London game at Mariota? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two point conversion. The most emotion I've ever seen Marcus give was on that first attempt they called back when he scored the touchdown. Uh, he he pumped his fist harder than I've ever seen. That he called it back, they scored again, missed extra point. Rest is history. But um, listen, hey, stiff arm and Barry Church and flexing on him has to be yeah. up there too, though. But I, yeah. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I just want to. That's got to be an honorable mention because I've never seen yeah. Marcus do anything like that before. Yeah, as far as um, like uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like gritty, like really kind of in your face, like. Mm-hmm. Showboating, yeah, that would be the most. But I mean, like raw motion. He, he right, was, right, right, right. So out of his mind after he jumped in that end zone. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Wish we uh, got more of that from him. Yeah. I, th- I think if I don't want to do a side branch on Marcus Psychology Hour, but I think if he had a little bit more of that in your face dog attitude to yeah. him, think things might be might be different for him. But yeah. hey, he's gonna have you know more money and an easier, more comfortable life than I'll ever see. So he wanted, yeah. life, you know, he doesn't care yeah. what I have to say about the dog and him. He's going to yeah. go do whatever he wants with his millions of dollars. But, I, listen, you know, he, just had to mention it. His parents, uh, he, I mean, really, he's one of the, the, the most genuine individuals in the entire NFL. And obviously his parents had, had a, a lot to do with that. So uh, it's crazy to, to say, but it's almost as if, you know, he was raised so well that that kind of animosity just doesn't live in him. Um, yeah, and you know you can't fault him for that in reality. But I think a lot of us. That's agree a great that. point, man. This yeah. is psychology hour for sure. It but is. I think that, you know if you if you you know if you weren't hungry growing up, are you hungry yeah. enough? You know what I mean. And a lot of the guys in the NFL, they yeah. didn't have a lot, so they're got a little bit yeah. of that in them. You know what it I mean? Just, I, I it's one or the like other. It. Either you had nothing and you've got everything to gain. Yeah. Or you've got so much confidence from having everything your whole everything. life, yeah, that it, it shaped you into a, a professional athlete and and competitor right. that is everything you want. Perfect example, Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow, he, he Jay Shiesty, like he he embodies what swagger is. He came from like yeah. just your your white picket fence American family, uh, but. All of that kind of swag and his ego, it 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 worked for him, and now love he, it, love he, it. Now he embraces it, and Man. it's it's yeah, hard he's to an exciting him. player. So makes, you know, makes me a little sad. Uh, I know. Yep. But, uh, I know. Yep. I, yep. Listen, though, one day, Tyler, one day, Tyler, <laughs> listen to me though. Listen to me carefully. Yeah, this MF for Will Levis, he has that. You better hope so. You better he hope does. so. I Can I say something though? So did Chris, so did Rosen, Josh Rosen, when he came out and he he was sitting there. No, he in the green room, Josh yeah, Rosen he, looks like freaking Ringo Starr. He, he, when he, he was he in that green room, he had that same look oh, at draft Levis, Levis is that that tryhard guy. So I'm going to tell a quick story before we get done here. There was a kid on my middle school basketball team, and uh, he's a cross country kid, not a football player coming to play basketball like the rest of us. Cross country kid, so he just ran and ran and ran and ran all over the place, and that was a sport to him. So he comes to basketball, and we're running sprints and suicides. Who's winning? The kid who just ran for three months is his sport. You know what I mean? And he's one of these guys who 
during a game one time, he was guarding the inbounds pass, and he's jumping and flailing his arms and legs everywhere, and he steps on the out-of-bounds line. Technical foul. The referee says, take a step back, sir. Very next inbounds, he does it again and gets ejected. Like, he's trying so hard to, like, just block the inbounds pass that he's stepping on the line and getting ejected from a middle school basketball game. He's trying to outrun everybody in the sprints and stuff. He's a tryhard. Joe Burrow is the coolest dude around. Will Levis is like the tryhard, yeah, like weird kid who's like getting too fired up at practice. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be what we all hope that he is, but I just think it's not fair to put them in the same category as like dudes because you've met dudes like Will Levis and you've met dudes like Joe Burrow. They are okay. not the same. So let dude. me ask you a question, Tyler. <laughs> Would you agree that you can make an argument that Tom Brady was kind of like that try-hard kid? Over-the-top emotional all the time, whether things were going good or bad, through tantrums. Yeah. But the bottom line is, when everything was on the line, yeah. the veins got icy. And that's, that's I mean, really. That's I, fair. He, like, uh, Tom Brady lived two lives in the NFL. So, like, the first part of it, he was, like, that try-hard, like, working too hard, overachiever, blah, blah, blah. And then he, I mean, once he had the ACL, I think he was switched out with an Android. But uh, he looks totally different than his rookie year if you look up the pictures. Uh, I'll let you figure out how he got looking so different on your own. But Tom Brady did go from like that weird game manager, try hard, outsmart everybody quarterback into like the Joe Cool type guy. You're right. But all I would say is. Well, four Super Bowls Tom will do Brady. that to you. Yeah, it's Tom Brady. So and I don't know. Supermodel wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, well, Levis well, is on his way there. Yeah, he's got <laughs> no, 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 no. He he's got a supermodel girlfriend. But that that's besides the point. Uh, so does Ryan Tanhill, and that doesn't done that hasn't done us a damn thing. Uh, he's cool, got a rich, athletic wife. dudes get good looking women. Yeah. I mean, what Believe what can not, we say? It's a tale as old as time. Breaking news. I know. Yeah. Well, we'll see how things shape up. This game in Nashville is going to be an absolute must win, in my opinion. God forbid if Jacksonville were to beat Kansas City uh, and us to lose, it would it'll be a dark day in hell for this yes. fan base on this application sure uh, that we call X now. So uh, we'll see how things shape up. Tyler, can't thank you enough for taking the time with us tonight. Make sure uh, let us know where we can find your work as always. Yeah, sure. Uh, Monday through Friday, and usually a sixth episode throughout the week. Locked on Titans, uh, any podcast app. On YouTube, of course, uh, and then uh, write for Sports Illustrated, alltitans.com. Ton of film breakdowns I'll be doing throughout the season. Put out the Tannehill one today. Um, and then you can follow me at Tic Tac Titans, where I get wild and say a bunch of crazy stuff. As we yeah. all do. Yeah, Absolutely. it's the best part. Absolutely. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. You're, uh, you're a true brethren of this community uh, with all you do with breaking stuff down and Obviously, your passion goes real deep with the amount of work you put into this team. So we can't thank right. you enough for taking some time out with us. And I uh, hope to have you on again, maybe on happier terms. We'll have some better things to talk about. Yeah, when the Titans are 4-2 and two going into the bye, baby, after a win Let's against go. the Ravens and the Bengals. Let's yep. go. It's yep. happening. I'll see you then. Little, little soft <laughs> tissue injury to Ryan Tannehill. Yep. Soft tissue. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't want that. I would never wish that on anyone. Um, but, uh, if you got the flu, um, that would, that would be a shame if you got the flu, not COVID, just the flu anyway. All right. So we're going to, we're going to close you out tonight. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us, Tyler. And, um, I was Tyler rolling on locked on Titans podcast. 
Uh, thanks again for him coming in on tonight. Um, I mean, really, I, I, I'm glad he kind of shared the same sentiment with me, Vin, and halfway with you. Uh, the, the leash is real thin. Uh, sure, but there, sure. yeah, there, there's a, there is a, um, in my opinion, there is a emotional fan way to look at this. And then there's an actual reality way to look at this that I think some people will still view as a crazy emotional fan. The crazy emotional fan version is Malik Willis this week, which is not going to happen, but that's what my crazy emotional over the top fan wants done. Absolutely done. But the reality of the situation, which again, some people might think is still crazy, but in my opinion, the actual reality of the situation is halftime on Sunday. If he looks like he did second half, that's it. Done. Plug. Plug. You had another week to prepare. In a, must win, in a must win game at in a home. Must win game in, an, in, 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 a, in a playoff race that we all know is just the division. And that's it. I don't care about Rodgers going down. We're still not getting a wild card because there's still going to be three teams in the AFC East that are that are possibly Dolphins, Dolphins, Bengals, or Dolphins, um, Bills. Bills, and I'm not counting the Jets out with Zach Wilson. You can't now after what you saw. So uh, at halftime, if he looks like dog shit, that's a wrap. That's it. You did it to Mariota. Just keep the same energy. This is this would be game seven we're coming up on now. A bullshit. Awful Tannehill. The jig's up. I don't know. I, I I want your opinion too on you know your emotional fan and what you think the reality is. I mean, I had I told you what my opinion was. I was fifty percent on him. I don't know how I feel about pulling him in the second half. But if he looks like crap in the first half, like he did, by all means, you have to do something. Okay, yeah, there has to be a spark of something. So I ran a poll on X. Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it, because I was just in a mood. I didn't know what to say. And I, re- I, I did a poll that in the last eight games, we're 0-8. Ryan Tannehill is now 0-5 in his last. Yep. And uh, I said, what's what's your leash on, on Tannehill? Four games after the bye right now, or he'll turn it around. 42% of the people, and there was 323 votes. I mean, not crazy amount, but 42 people. That's said a four, lot of people. Four, four games, though. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Four I, games. I, folks, folks. It's going to be too late in four games. It's going to be. If the Jaguars get a two-game lead going into the bye week, I think and it's a wrap. And we're 0-4 going into, I think it's the Colts. Yeah, I think yeah. we play the Colts okay. after in week five. Jacksonville already has a division win. They're a better team with this with Ryan Tannehill under center. It's so evident now. I mean, did you see them play? They look pretty freaking good, and they're only going to get better. Ridley looked pretty damn good. Anyway. Ooh. Uh, it, it, this is you guys four games then then okay fine four games then again the rest of the season is solely to prepare one of the two guys for next year or to look like shit so we can get the guy in the draft next year that's it fine are you, are you happy still, with a two and two in four games well I, well running, again, running away with it my emotional fan in me wants Tannehill gone now done but the reality of it is yes if we go two and two after four games I'm still gonna have a sliver of hope but I I, I he just he's never doing it man he's never gonna do wow. it he's I, never I gonna do it it's I, very I, hard after what, what we saw on Sunday it's, it's so very hard. hard it's so hard and you would think in reality again not happy anyone got hurt but now that Aaron Rodgers is out of the situation, that's one less team in the AFC 
technically, unless Zach Wilson is the truth now, which I don't think he is, that we're going to have to worry about. But it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's been so many games that if Derrick Henry doesn't have it, whether because the defense stops him or we don't get it going like you just saw with the Saints, we never win. We never win when Derrick Henry doesn't play well. You're not going to win a title when your only avenue to a win is when your running back plays well. If one Titan fan watching this can show me an instance where Derrick Henry doesn't go crazy and we still win, then I'll back off. But, folks, I'll save you the time. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. All these other teams in the AFC have quarterbacks who can win you games. We got to rely on the fucking running back. How many years are you going to wait? I'm done waiting. Let's start finding out what the fucking situation is so we can be in the mix like all these other teams that are shit and now are great. Listen, I understand. I understand the, the compassion and everything, and, and I do I do see it because you want the young quarterback to come in and step in. He doesn't and have to be young. It doesn't – well, you know, we have two young guys. You have, you have Willis and you have yeah, uh, Malik. So you, you have those two guys. Well, one Manning. We're, we're not. We're, we all we all wanted that, and we're not going back yeah. to the. I, I texted you after the show. I don't know why you even went back there because I even went down more into a pick because we could have had Brady. We're not going there. Yeah. Um, these these guys they have to be the future if they are, and and Ryan Tannehill doesn't turn it around because if not, there are two ways to draft picks that we got screwed on. Exactly. And now, like and now, like I said, I, I don't see it in those uh, in those two quarterbacks on our roster. That's why I think the quarterback is is in next year's class. And are you going to do that and draft three straight quarterbacks in three no. straight years? That'll look makes you look like a fool. Absolute fool. That's why, folks, wake up. There's no other option here. You're going to fuck yourself because what you're going to do is you're going to keep this guy for the rest of the year. I already said this on Twitter today. You're going to keep this guy for the rest of the year. Then you're going to go into next year with one of these two. By default, they need a full year to contend if they hit their ceiling. Thank God, hopefully. And then you're what it's you're just you're if they don't then you're screwed because then you're missing next year's quarterback class. And now you're, you, you're just, you're screwed. You, these guys, this is the only year you're going to be able to really truly find out technically mm -hmm. if either of these two guys have it because stop, it, it's one or the other. It's either this year's draft for a quarterback or who we have now. If you don't play either of them this year, you're not going to know. It's just, I don't understand how these people don't see how this how this story is shaping up? It's going to be a nightmare. I hope everyone realizes it. God forbid, Levis and Malik aren't the answer. We're doomed. How many we're, we're gonna do? We're, gonna, we're I don't know what well, two years quarterback class is going to look I like. I don't. I don't know if Rabel and, and Ran are going to actually let that happen, especially going into a new stadium. You can't go into a new stadium with no quarterback. You're they're definitely not doing it. You, even if those two guys are not the quarterbacks, they're not. A trade will happen. I mean, but we're getting way, way, way in the future right now. So we got to really stay the not because we got to stay the course right now, though. We got to stay yeah. the course. Yeah. Hopefully, Ryan Tannehill turns it around. If not, we're in trouble. And you got to start one of the, the young guys. But, um, I mean, we got a, a very important game on Sunday with the Chargers, possibly having a guest. We have another show with a breakdown, our game picks, all of our sick picks, our locks of the week. Vinny will be back on for that show. So, um, But th there is something to monitor, though. I, I did see that um, Eckler is 
possibly hurt. Don't know about that, but that would be yeah. huge. That would be huge. Yeah, if, if, Just if like he, Kamara if being out play, was supposed to be hurt. Yeah, was supposed but to be huge. I, I do, I do, but that, that's a big part of their offense, though. So we're going to a big part of of, of New Orleans' offense. He he is, but and they still threw all over us with no fucking run, with no run. I mean, listen again. I the defense is excellent. They did a great job, you know, stopping sixteen points. points. Yeah, yes, but I mean, not for nothing. Uh, they had no running game. Why were they just? They still had a ton of yards. Anyway, you're right. Uh, let's let's take it a day at a time. Uh, I'm I'm completely done with my belief that Tano can make us a contender this year, no matter what he does from here on out. I already made that clear, but I'm a Titan fan above everything else. So we're going to ride this wave out and we're still going to hope they win every single freaking game. Uh, but if they don't, you guys all know where I stand and that's uh, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, with what I've said so far and I'm going to stand behind it. So uh, we'll see, guys. As Jared mentioned, we'll have you. We'll have uh, more to come as far as breakdowns, as far as picks and whatnot. I think we did pretty good on our locks. Yeah, I think um, Sammy will probably get that up on. Uh, on yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, that Friday show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yep, everyone. Uh, I hope everyone has a great night, great day, great week. Obviously, as always, make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Um, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you turn that bell on so you know when we're on, when we're going get live. We're gonna be downloads up. Get those downloads up. Yes, absolutely. I want to Spotify, Apple. Absolutely, absolutely. That's how we're going to grow. And uh, we've gotten so many, so many, so much great feedback from everyone, and uh, how much they've loved the show, and how we break things down. And we're so happy to hear all those things. And we're just trying to build this this audience of family up. So any help you guys can give us would be appreciated. Uh, again, hope everyone has a great week this week. And as always, tighten up. Sammy, send me on out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Talking Titans on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.